Lucifer Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things comics, movies, media, music, and more, check out the Cage Club Network. That's cageclub.me. Wolverine are looking very familiar. Logan versus Sabretooth on the cover. There's even Lady Deathstrike lingering in the background. Adam Kubert once again gracing the pages of Wolverine. And Wolverine inexplicably killing everybody he loves as the main focal point of the... Why? Why this? Why? That makes this weird, Krakoa. I'm Nico. I'm Dylan. I'm Kyle. I'm Gina. And I'm Jonah. And we hope you survive this experience like that girl, but unlike her father. That girl. You know, there. that's a... Uh, Magical description. So we're still fucking stuck in this not so many comics coming out. Very inconvenient situation. This is the worst virus to hit the X-Men since the legacy virus. And I am finding myself so frustrated with the lack of X-Books. But it's cool because we've managed to stretch that week out for a pretty long time. And we've got some backup material. And hey, we're doing great. So without further ado, let's take a look at another one of the final week of X releases from 2020. All right. For Wolverine number two, Hair of the Dog, we have writer Benjamin Percy, Adam Kubert as the artist, Frank Martin as the color artist, and VCs Corey Pettit as our letterer. So, I mean, like, okay, I... <sighs> okay. I always want to love Wolverine. And that first issue, there were so many issues in that first issue. I found a ton of stuff to love. And this first page, like as soon as I fucking open this book, the art just takes me away. I am so like ensorcelled by that first page. And I really felt like, you know, Adam Kubert was giving it his all. And that page was just so good. And we, we turned to this amazing sequence with the Marauders. And it's so dark and atmospheric. And I love And then the, the issue is about nothing. And Logan does the same thing Logan has been doing for the last several years, which is killing everyone he loves. Perhaps this story was new to somebody on the team, but I am not the biggest fan of possessing Logan, reprogramming Logan. I've had shades of Logan Enemy of the State, which is just shades of Logan Weapon X forever. And this is a bold new direction for the X-Men. And in Percy's other books, I am seeing a bold new direction. So I find myself frustrated that in what should be the flagship solo title for the X-Books, Wolverine, that the story isn't moving forward. The story is regressing. Everywhere else is taking, I mean, perhaps not X-Men Fantastic Four. And maybe that's the punishment for Marauders being so good. Marauders adjacent books aren't. But I don't, I don't know, guys. Am I the only one who feels like Percy? This is your weakest outing in the X-Verse right now? No. I completely agree with you right now because, uh, first off, uh, look forward to the new book of Wolverine, Enemy of the Pod. That's number one. <laughs> number two, 
I haven't read a lot of Logan stories, but I do know enough about Wolverine to know that he's a very popular Marvel character who has many, 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 many solo titles, solo runs. He's basically everywhere. Everybody wants to use him. If you're going to give Wolverine another one of these stories, I really feel like you have to have the most unique, weird, something book that makes you stand out because right now, what is the storytelling that hasn't been told a million times already? I hate to make it sound like we're beating a dead horse, but I would agree. It's the same Wolverine story that we've read over and over again. You just change the villain. Um, I feel like Percy is a great writer, like Nico said, but sometimes I feel like maybe it is a whole, hey, I finally get to write one of Marvel's biggest characters for the first time. I'm going to write him my own way type of thing. And sadly, when it comes to Wolverine and someone wanting to like start something new with Wolverine, they always do the same thing. Unfortunately, I think that's one of the weaknesses of Dawn of X, which this whole ability to resurrect the X-Men, we can now just use their deaths as a shock factor and then bring them back shortly after. It's no longer a huge deal, I guess. And... I don't know, it's kind of frustrating seeing them hit this type of storyline again when it just doesn't have the same kind of effect on the the storytelling. I'm going to agree. Watching Wolverine kill Jean Grey specifically, I'm like, why, why is Cyclops even mad? <laughs> We've seen Wolverine kill Jean Grey how many times at this point? And you you feel dismayed that he's done it, but at the same time, well, she's just going to be back anyway. And apparently they're just cutting out the traumatic memories when they do come back. <laughs> so she's not even going to remember this. It's not going to have a, a huge effect on the storytelling. It feels like a cheap shot. And I, I, for what it's worth, I did enjoy the story. It was an easy read. It kept me fairly engaged as far as reading it and looking at the art. But the whole possession thing, it's time to move on. That's just a plot device that doesn't really give us anything worthwhile to explore in his character specifically. And, you know, we're all so used to Logan the animal, Logan the monster. He does enough stuff that he regrets that I don't need him doing things that he regrets for the sake of other people. Like... <laughs> He's already a fuck up. And, you know, when I think about the most famous Wolverine stories, I think about the debut of Weapon Alpha and Uncanny 109. I think about Logan versus the Hellfire Club and the Dark Phoenix Saga. I think about Logan being crucified and Weapon X and having his adamantium ripped out. You know, so many stories about pain and loss. And yeah, I get it. Old man Logan, you can keep going back to killing the X-Men over and over again. But, you know, the run that Percy seems to be the most influenced by is Grant Morrison's new X-Men. And the thing that new X-Men did the best was recessed Wolverine into a background figure. Wolverine was best when he was easily dispatched or distracted in New X-Men because the mystery of Wolverine is how to keep him interesting at this point. It's not his past anymore. So I kind of find myself surprised that we're pulling on stuff like Omega Red. And, you know, I'm going to turn the story over. Was anybody else? 
almost really like shocked as shit to see the Marauders there for a little bit. I was more confused than anything, to be honest, because we had already seen that he had woken up in that same area with the bodies of the team around him. So it was like, why, why all of a sudden, oh, oh, okay, that's what's happening. It's all a dream, all in his head. Which is so much the M.O. But hey, Regina, your husband made an appearance. (laughs) I was happy to see the Marauders because it gave me this sense of just like when the Marauders were in Excalibur. I like that we are connecting all the books. Like, of course, Jean and Domino and Quentin will show up in Wolverine because Wolverine's part of X-Force. But it's nice that they are incorporating the other teams. I do want to say, even though I hate the fact that we once again have a villain that can possess Wolverine and do all that, like we've mentioned, this pale girl character is a little bit interesting to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way she looks. And if I'm not mistaken, this is like her first appearance. I believe so. It is interesting that we're getting new villains. She seems to be a higher level villain than some of the other villains that we've had come about. Like the Golden Girls. Right. (laughs) Or the culture. (laughs) The return of Executioner. (laughs) As far as her threat level, I'm a little bit excited. Like, I hope we continue to see her and figure out more about her because I think she does pose a much stronger threat than a lot of our other villains have so far. I saw very similar storytelling elements of this kind of mysterious enemy that seems really powerful in Fallen Angels. Like, is this just something similar to Apoth? And that story took forever to keep going, and we were very kind of like, meh at the ending of it. So is this just going to be kind of like that story all over again? I was bored by... Apoth, I just, nothing grabbed me. The visuals didn't grab me. The story didn't grab me. At least visually, she's pretty. (laughs) The page of Zombie Kitty, I just had to sit there and just drink it for a while because it was so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't call it pretty. I would call it gruesome, but it was amazing. (laughs) I, I do have to say, in that weird way that I'm always like, oh, the xenomorph is my baby. Yeah. Okay, I can think Baby Brew is cuddly, therefore Zombie Kitty can be, what did you call it, Splend Gorgeous? I forgot. <laughs> it <was> so pretty. <laughs> so pretty, yes. Oh my god, how have we not mentioned the fact that we got an almost naked picture of Wolverine again? We haven't had one of those in a while. Yeah, and they uh covered up his um they covered up his speech bubbles with a speech with bubble. a really small speech bubble. <laughs> <laughs> I was particularly, you know, like and I don't think it was necessarily a statement on Logan's manhood. I think getting that small speech bubble was a statement on kind of like the comic censorship that we used to see. Logan is always in that stupid metal diaper and a VR virtual boy in Weapon X flashbacks. And he's so naked, but it's never sexual. And I kind of loved the juxtaposition of Logan as naked and Logan as fragile in that regard. It is interesting to me, though. Like, I do know that prior to Wolverine being there where the healer is and whatnot, most of his suit was destroyed. But any other time that we've seen any characters in this place with healer, they have their full uniforms on, like Bishop does. So it's just funny that, oh, let's heal Wolverine, but let's take all of his clothes off of him. 
<laughs> yeah, because I would have loved to see Bishop laid out. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I might be wrong. Colossus might have been naked in like the second issue of X Force or something. Well, yeah, but, but he's still, just naked to a see lot. Naked, true. Just to see naked Wolverine laying there, and then the next panel is here's Bishop in full uniform. Yeah, take it off. And from birthday suits to suit, suit, suits, we had mentioned a few weeks back that Wolverine had appeared in Black Cat alongside the titular Felicia Hardy. Uh, that was written by Jed McKay with art by X-Men mainstay and fan favorite Chris Anka. Now, Jonah and I read this two-parter, and I actually had a really, really good time with this. It was not their first team-up. They had done two three-part miniseries, Claws and Claws 2, but this had a lightness and a magic and a fun. Jonah, how did you feel reading this caper in which Black Cat discovers that the enigmatic Madripoor patch is secretly Wolverine? I I enjoy this. From a lot of the heaviness that the X-Books bring, Black Cat brought this sort of lightness and whimsy to it that was really refreshing to like enjoy. I am a Felicia Hardy fan, so I was excited to get to read this and be like, oh, Wolverine happens to be in it. And this is like Wolverine trying to be a dapper thief and he's in his suit, but he's very short, so it's just... I don't know. Something about it is just very hysterical to me. Now, Kyle, Dylan, Regina, are you guys familiar with the patch identity? Yes. Yep. So, Jonah, this was your first time experiencing Patch Logan. Correct. Now, other than the fact that the suit he's in would get him sent home on Project Runway faster than you can say making the cut, it's really interesting to me that this is one of the most long-lasting and beloved Logan identities he is a Madripoor kind of sleazy con guy. And it's actually almost impossible to me that this is Black Cat's first interaction with Patch because I'm pretty sure he's Patch in one of the Claws minis, but what the fuck ever. Now, Jonah, do you want to be the one who gets to say the bad guys of this two-part arc? Sure, it's Cade Kilgore. Because, <sighs> you know, we needed more of him. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, he's everybody's favorite. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, oh, boy is right, Kyle. So I think the thing that keeps this sweet and fun and light is the juxtaposition of Black Cat's, like Jonah said, whimsy with the heaviness of Madripoor and where Logan is. Jonah, how would you rate this two-part arc? I'll give it a solid B+. Okay, yeah. I mean, I would probably give it like four and a half out of six snicks. It had a fun lightness. It had a good energy. If you're looking for an enjoyable Wolverine read that kind of is less miserably dark, I would give this one a read. Two quick issues, a lot of fun, and it gives you all the background you need. Absolutely. I give it a solid B+. It's not the end-all be-all, you have to read Black Cat this instant. It was pretty good, and if you want a small change of pace where something is just a little more fun and not taken so seriously, and to see, you know, Cade Kilgore get punched in the face. Also, Deadpool's here. Don't ask. Yeah, and Deadpool's in 9 and 10 in two very different capacities. In one, he's like, can't help you, and in the other, he's like, trying to kill you. So, it's fun. Yeah, fun's a word. 
<laughs> now, it would be impossible to talk about Logan the man without talking about Logan the women. Now, I'm not talking just about X-23, although I could dedicate an entire podcast series to X-23. I'm talking about the lady loves that have come to define Logan, whether it's the characters we have come to trust with Logan's heart, like Jean Grey, or the later revealed loves, like Mystique, the original characters, like Silver Fox, or Mariko, Logan's personal life defines his character just as much as his six claws do. You know, for my sake, there is no relationship I romantically love in Logan's life the way I love Logan, Jean, and Scott. If you take one out, you ruin it for me. I need Scott there. I need Logan there. I need Gene there. Because I think Gene and Scott have proven they don't work together time and time again. For real. And I have some honorable mentions, but I would hate to list my honorable mentions and take them from everybody else. But suffice to say, the honorable mention that I don't imagine is going to appear on anybody else's list is... I really do like the idea that there are times that Logan and Victor just fucking slug it out and fuck. Like, (laughs) I just think they would. And if you don't agree, you should take a look at Chris Bogolo's art on the first part of Salt on Weapons Plus, A New X-Men, where Victor is just so eager to look at Logan's implicitly gigantic cock. So I really recommend that page on a lot of bull levels anyway so guys what do you think about logan and his lady loves uh my favorite lady love with logan is hercules canonical 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 same take a look at extreme x-men it's a pretty great love story i love it a lot just so fans who are listening know like nico mentioned that happened in Extreme X-Men, and it was a Wolverine from another universe whose name was... He went by Captain Howlett, didn't he? Or Colonel Howlett? Something like that. Yeah, he was mad hot. Drove me nuts in all the best ways. And his claws were gold instead of silver. You just wanted to fuck him like a sexy mutton chop. Like, it was (laughs) He had mutton chops, too, I think. So good. Yes, he did. It was so good. My favorite love interest for Logan is Domino. When they put or created a new X-Force team that had Wolverine and Domino on it, it just makes more sense to me, especially when it led into a three-part miniseries of X-Force that was called Sex and Violence, right? Sex and Violence. Yeah. Uh, Great era. Cool. The more the years go on of us learning more and more about Domino's past, I just feel like Domino makes more sense to be with Wolverine than she does Cable because I feel like she's more ruthless, more shoot and ask questions later type of gal. So Wolverine and Domino gets my vote. You know, that's a really good point. I would love to see Logan and Cable. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Nico wishful thinking. I I would like to echo that. So my favorite coupling with Logan is Storm for a million reasons, but they have tra- million trillion. Like a, there's just when Logan and Storm are together and they're written well, they just make sense. Wolverine and Jean drove me nuts. I cannot deal with it. I'm a little bit relaxed about the throupling situation. But as far as Wolverine and Storm, they've been they started out their journey with the X-Men together. They've been friends for a long time. And they balance each other out. I think that 
their personalities are just enough of a yin and a yang that they just make such complete sense. And I want them to get married and have a thousand little children and run around and be happy. I really do see it. I think they make each other better. I think the writer who did the most work on that was probably Claremont during the X-Men Reload in 2004-2005. He had them go on some dates and be like, yeah, it's not weird. We go on dates. Who cares? I, I love that pairing. I also love Mystique Logan a lot. That's another great one. I think they make a lot of sense. I don't know. I just think as long as a person's got blood, they make sense with Logan. <laughs> You're not wrong on that. Logan kind of does go after flavor of the month kind of stuff. Ooh, uh, Logan and Mac. I could see that. And Heather. Mac and Heather, sort of like his proto-Gene Scott. <laughs> uh, Logan and Maverick. There's another one. I could see Logan and Bishop tussling. Maybe Logan, Bishop, and Cable. It's very <laughs> me. So I think... Logan is a super sexual being, and trying to take the sexuality out of Logan is insane. You literally just want him to sleep with anyone who's ever been in any of his books. Ooh, Logan and Punisher. That's another good one. Logan, Punisher, and Elektra. And Cap. Cap's there too. Cap just watches. And paints. This is getting weird. Let's do the wrap up. Throughout the We Are Krakoa project, we've referenced a number of runs that have come together to form the face of the new X-Men and how they have been referenced by Hickman and his co-creators in this sort of new dawn of X. So I wanted to just go over a number of these titles and whether they're available in print, digitally, or both. Now, the classic Chris Claremont era has been collected a thousand different ways. And if you're a completionist, I would take a look at the X-Men Omnibus line. Volumes 1, 2, and 3 are available with a fourth coming out. This collects roughly giant size number one or uncanny x-men 94 all the way through about 175 a fourth volume is expected in the near future additionally if you're looking for the backup stories that were used in the classic x-men reprints and a list of a number of the most significant changes take a look at the x-men classic omnibus this is going to collect that material in one place for you the uncanny x-men volumes are currently out of print so they might be a little bit tricky to find but if you take a look online on amazon you might notice that there seems to be a new round of printings coming, so you can hold out for those. New Mutants, which saw many incarnations, saw some pretty choppy printing. Right now, Marvel is doing a pretty strong job with the Epic Collection, and you should be able to find the first 40 or so issues in Epic Collection form. Later on, you can grab some of the New Mutants in Asgard, and I believe there's even a Cable volume coming. This stuff is not as completely available digitally on the Marvel Unlimited app, while the Uncanny X-Men stuff is. There's been an announcement that along with New Mutants Volume 1 in omnibus format, there's going to be an Excalibur omnibus. So if you are a hardcover person, you can hold off on the New Mutants stuff, because I believe that's actually going to have everything number one through the end of the Sinkevich era for New Mutants. For Excalibur, it appears it's going to have everything through the end of the Cross Time Caper, possibly through the end of Claremont's run. So that's actually going to knock out your need for the first two or three epic collections of that if you're an Excalibur fan. X-Factor seems to be going a little bit more slowly. X-Factor also doesn't seem to be getting as much reference right now. Warren's everywhere, but he's not getting a lot of focus. But if you're looking for that, you can actually get the first 
volume, which I think covers through like issue 15 or so, and there's a second volume coming, although there does not seem to be any news of an X-Factor omnibus on the horizon. I actually do think you can get most of those epic collections. If it's an issue in an epic, I'm pretty sure it's available on Marvel Unlimited. I do want to point out that the X-Men classic stuff, it's kind of like a spotty online track record. There had been some of them collected in trades at one point known as X-Men vignettes, so that's one of those slightly more lost-to-time pieces. The Claremont era kind of came to a rough conclusion in the late 80s, early 90s with Jim Lee. The Jim Lee era is available in two omnibus editions, as well as a number of epic collections and trades. They also seem to be getting reprinted. That's going to cover from X-Men 244 to about X-Men 7. That's Uncanny 244 to the new run that was started in 1992. A lot of the classic X-Force that I know Dylan and Regina are big fans of, as well as me, is available in a series of kind of confusingly named X-Men omnibus collections. There's X-Force Volume 1, Deadpool and X-Force, and Cable and X-Force. And this is going to take you through where Jeff Loeb began work on those characters. Age of Apocalypse, which gets discussed a lot, has two omnibus editions available. It's Age of Apocalypse and the Age of Apocalypse. Apocalypse Companion. Now, this material, as well as the X-Force material and the X-Men material, this is almost all in its entirety available readily on the app. I wouldn't worry too much about finding those there. If you're somebody who has a digital preference, you should be able to find most of that material available on the app, no problem. Wolverine is a character that collects better digitally than physically at the moment, unfortunately. The Wolverine omnibus has been out of print forever, and even then, it's not quite the sequential collection we've become used to. For the most part, the the Omnibus Collection has collected series in order. The Wolverine edition was pretty early on in the line of Omnibus editions, and so there's some quirks about it. It collects significant Wolverine stories, not necessarily the first Wolverine stories. It jumps around Marvel Comics Presents, collecting the initial run of Marvel Comics Presents stories by Chris Claremont, as well as Barry Windsor Smith's take on Claremont's idea for Weapon X. It has the early miniseries, as well as the first handful of Claremont and Wolverine issues, and it's just kind of an odd collection. If you're a fan of this Wolverine series, you could also look at the John Byrne Does the Marvel Universe omnibus, which contains a number of the John Byrne issues. The Acts of Vengeance crossover omnibus also contains some of those, so a lot of this early Wolverine stuff, pretty scattered, not easy to find. The epic collections are told pretty out of order. You can find most of the last few years of Wolverine pretty readily in trade and hardcover, such as the two volumes of Wolverine by Jason Aaron. Unfortunately, the Wolverine and the X-Men omnibus is currently out of print and goes for upwards of $400 when you can find it, so that one's a little bit more frustrating to get your hands on. The Wolverine omnibus that contains Enemy of the State and Wolverine Adrian Hydra, both ideas referenced in this episode, is also kind of hard to find. The Mark Millar Wolverine era is very popular, even if it is a bit divisive, and it can be one of the more costly Wolverine omnibus when you're able to locate a copy. The death of Moira McTaggart, which was referenced repeatedly in House of X, Powers of Ten, and now not at all in the Dawn of X, <laughs> is available in the Claremont Revolution and Eve of Destruction omnibus editions. They were two of the more uncollected eras, so having them all put together very nicely is pretty interesting. It includes a number of the miniseries as well, such as the Claremont Pen X-Men Black Sun, 
which was meant to celebrate the anniversary of his brand new, all different, all new team. Okay, so here's where things get a little bit tricky. Grant Morrison's new X-Men collects really beautifully all in one place, but the omnibus editions, unfortunately, leave out the previously on pages, and there's a couple of times that those previously on pages make stuff make a little bit more sense, a little bit confusing without it. So I actually do think that the Grant Morrison new X-Men run reads better physically. I would probably just recommend just getting your hands on the hardcovers or the omnibus, the trades, whatever. If you're a fan of loose issues, go peruse an LCS when everything's back to normal help get those back issues back out there so it kind of depends on what you're looking for for the tent poles for the most part if you're looking for things like new x-men astonishing x-men the claremont era if you're looking for things like age of apocalypse those are going to be available on marvel unlimited or through comiXology or the marvel store but there are going to be some really unique back matter elements like a number of those early chris claremont uncanny x-men omnibuses omnibuy omnibus Omnitrain, I don't know. They have some really great back matter in there that's not as available on the website. So you really got to assess what kind of fan you are. Are you looking to be a completionist? You're going to want to look at the Omnibus. If you're looking to have a quick way to digest all of this X-Men all at once, take a look at Marvel Digital Unlimited, and I hope this helped clear some stuff up. We talked about Logan and his many stories in which he gets possessed and kills everybody in sight, which is a common running theme for him pretty much at this point. We also covered who we basically want to see Wolverine fuck as if he hasn't already. Kyle, what are we covering next time? Next week, we are going to be concluding the last week of comics before everything happened with X-Men number nine. Until next time, though, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. Dylan, where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me on Facebook at my X-Men group that Regina helps me moderate. That is called House of X. Or you can find me on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Regina, where can everyone find you? Find me looking for what the hell my new name is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can now find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Red Queen of X. And on Facebook at the House of Goblin Queen. Jonah, where can everybody find you? Working with a special agent because I kind of have to because I can't work with any other mutants because I'm too afraid to kill them all. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah. Nico, where can everybody find you? Do you guys remember when Wolverine had like super duper interesting spy stories like the Scorpio connection? I feel like we're that's what's missing. The dichotomy of Wolverine. We're, it's not that Percy's Wolverine is letting me down. It's that... I need the many facets of Logan. That's what it is. I feel better. I got there. You guys can find me all over this network on Mondays and Thursdays on X-Men. You guys can find me Tuesdays on HTML. Don't forget to start checking out wearekrakoa.com, where we're going to be talking all sorts of X-Men comics in all sorts of ways. And do look me up on Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N-N, guys, until we return to the Social Council of Krakoa. We will see you. Keep those mutant lights burning bright. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.